Hey there, this is Jody Clock, and welcome to my podcast. I woke up dead, now what? In our conversations, we'll talk about real issues that everyday people face should they wake up dead without a life after death plan in place. Join me as we explore the how-tos on preparing for you or your loved one's passing without breaking the bank. And let's not forget about those pets too. Now, don't you fall asleep. Hey, everyone, and thank you for joining my podcast, I Woke Up Dead, Now What? Today, I am so thrilled to have Peggy Hoyt with me. Peggy Hoyt is the founder and the CEO of the Animal Care Trust USA. She is also a Florida Bar board-certified elder care specialist. That's a mouthful. On top of that, she is a published author of numerous books, But most importantly, this girl has my heart and my soul and has put up with me through good times and bad, and she is one of my best friends. So welcome, Peggy. Thank you, Jody. It's always a pleasure to hang out with you. Yeah, we need to hang out a little more often and find a little more trouble to get into. It's been a while. Peggy, she's just an expert at everything. And, you know, her passion is animals and her livelihood is... um, being an elder care attorney, and somehow she managed to combine both of that. Would you like to share with our followers kind of how you got into this journey and a little bit about the Animal Care Trust? Sure, absolutely. It's my pleasure. So I, uh, I've i always been an animal lover ever since I was a little girl. And in fact, I think I asked for my first horse before I even turned one year old. Um, but I had the distinct advantage of growing up in the household of John Hoyt, who was the CEO and president of the Humane Society of the United States for more than 27 years. So I grew up in animal welfare. Um, Fortunately, my parents loved animals as much as I did. So I was always surrounded by horses and dogs and cats and thought I might go on to veterinary school. But like a lot of little girls who want to be veterinarians, Uh, Life took a different path and I ended up in law school and uh, decided that it might be fun if I could figure out a way to combine uh, my passion for estate planning with my passion for pets. So the concept of um, all my children wear fur coats, how to leave a legacy for your pet was born. And um, that was the first book I ever published. And it really has been the flagship um, book for me because I have never wavered in my passion for animals. And along those lines, um, it made sense at at some point um, back in 2018 to create Animal Care Trust USA, which is a national nonprofit dedicated to keeping loved pets in loving homes. And so we do this by educating pet parents about the importance of creating estate plans that protect their pets, um, particularly using pet trusts as a vehicle for accomplishing that goal. And then ultimately, we can also provide trustee services for pet trusts. Well, that was a that was a whole lot in a short time. So let's kind of break that down. But I want to give a shout out because our journey started together uh, with your book, All My Kids Wear Fur Coats. And that is a must read. Uh, that is available on Amazon. Is that not correct? Amazon has All My Children Wear Fur Coats and it is now in its third edition and it is available um, right now, today. Well, I found the book interesting, especially it 
it will guide someone step by step on what to do uh, if they even have somewhat of an interest. So that was the first step, as you said, to the Animal Care Trust. And I got to believe, you know, Peggy, you know, you sit with people while they're making their plans. And we sit with people, uh, just a little reminder for folks out there who may be new joining us today. Uh, my husband, Dale Clock, owns a funeral home and I work with him regularly. And we sit with families on a regular basis and they come in and they say, you know, mom had a cat. And in fact, this happened the other day. It's an older dog who has one eye and it's a Shih Tzu and they're trying to find a home for this dog. And there was no plan. So we see this all the time. And so I got to believe you've seen the same thing or that was an instigator for this program. Absolutely. Um, Unfortunately, I see it far too often. And anybody who spends any time on social media probably sees it on a regular basis. Um, It's not unusual to see posts for um, a friend has um, gone into a nursing home or has passed away. And now we're trying to uh, rehome cats or dogs or horses. And many times those animals are elderly, like the individual who owned them, and um, not always the most desirable or adoptable from that standpoint. And so I, I really just pray that pet parents will take that responsibility on themselves um, to create a plan for their pets and not make the assumption that family members or friends will step into your shoes and take on that responsibility. They just don't, and um, they don't want the responsibility. Uh, They don't have the time. They have their own lives. They don't have the money. There's 150 excuses for why they can't take your pet. So it's really up to the pet owner, the pet parent, to make those decisions ahead of time. You said they don't have the time or they don't have the money. And sometimes this money thing can turn things around and you don't want someone to take your pet just for the money. Would you like to discuss and touch on that for a little bit? Sure. So I think um, the type of plan that has the most amount of risk for a pet parent is to make an outright gift of your pet along with a sum of money. So for example, if I were to say I leave my dog Fluffy to Jody Clock along with the sum of $10,000. Now Jody might take care of my dog, but she might also just keep the $10,000 and drop my dog off at the nearest shelter. So in order to avoid that kind of an outcome, that is where pet trusts really become valuable planning tools. Because instead of leaving the money to Jody outright, I could leave it to um, my pet in the form of a trust for my pet's benefit. And Jody could be what I call the pet caregiver, but somebody not Jody would be the trustee who would be responsible for the oversight and the distribution of the trust assets. And I feel that that is so important. And people do things, you know, that well-intended, but they don't know what happens on the back end. What I'd like to ask you to flush out a little bit is the Animal Care Trust. And the website for that is www animalcaretrustusa.org. So if anybody wants to jump over there, I would love for them to take a look at it. But it's got several different options because there is not one size fits all for a pet parent. And the beautiful thing about it is you can do it in any state. There's many ways uh, that you can fund this. And 
For our listeners, Peggy, you and I understand what funding a trust means. I'd like for you to explain that a little bit. So I'm going to pass it back to you and ask you to share the options and how they can actually make this a reality for their pet. So that's a great point, Jody, because um, making sure that the resources are available to the pet trust is going to be one of the key factors in the success of the pet trust. So pet trust can be funded in a lot of different ways. I can open an account in the name of my pet trust. And in that account, I can put cash, I can put money markets, I can put CDs, I can put stocks or bonds or mutual funds. So investment accounts. Um, I could also um, name my pet trust as the beneficiary of my IRA or my 401k. I could buy a life insurance policy specifically for the purpose of funding a pet trust and then name the beneficiary of the life insurance policy as my pet trust. And so at the relevant time, those assets would then become available to the trustee to be distributed according to the terms of the pet trust. And so typically the terms of a pet trust would say, you know, provide for my pet's health and maintenance and welfare, including their food, their grooming, uh, their veterinary care, their lifetime care, maybe a stipend for the pet caregiver, um, and then also end-of-life care for our pets to make sure that at the end of their lifetime that their final disposition is in accord with what the pet parents would want as well. So there's a lot of factors that go into creating the instructions of a pet trust, but making sure that the assets get to that trust is equally important. You said something that I often encourage people to do, and it just never seems to be um, out there and talked about. And I think that this is such an opportunity, not only for elder care attorneys, but for financial planners, for insurance agents. And I'm not looking for people to go out there and, and you know, hawk a product or, or make a quick commission. But when you are sitting there and as a professional, someone is advising uh, someone how to allocate their money or they're in someone's home and they're working on life insurance, if there's a a dog or a cat or bird, those birds live a long time, or even horses, which have a whole different subset of needs, it would be so very simple to say, you know, we could do a separate term life policy for $10,000 or whatever that dollar amount is. But those are small nickels. You know, people are looking at whole life, they're looking at annuities, they're looking at all kinds of things. But a simple term life policy could make all the difference in the world. And I I wish more people would kind of tune into that type of a thought process. Because what's the worst that could happen with that, Peggy? What happens if there is no pet? So if there's no pet, um, there... Typically, the remainder beneficiary of a pet trust would be um, a charitable organization that benefits animals in some way, shape, or form. So worst possible outcome is that a deserving charity benefits from the life insurance proceeds. And in fact, just last week, I had this issue, um, had a client who um, has family members that she is concerned about and wants to provide for, but also wants to make sure that she provides for her pets 
And so after reviewing all of her assets and desires for planning, we um, came upon the idea that it might be a good idea for her to get a $100,000 life insurance policy. And she was able to do that. And now all of her financial worries regarding her pets are taken care of. So tell me, I know that you are very passionate about this, and I know that you championship this with the Florida Bar. Have other attorneys in other states started to catch the fever with this? Any of your colleagues? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think that there are competent attorneys all over the United States who are um, seeing the value in helping pet parents plan for their pets. Um, I wish I knew who they all were. And and through Animal Care Trust USA, we're trying to develop a network of trusted attorneys that um, are familiar with planning for pets and have a passion for it like we do. Um, That's a slow process, but it's one that we've been working on. And and you can also check out our trusted advisors page at animalcaretrustusa.org to find some of these individuals in your state. I have also found recently that um, many of my clients are not necessarily from the state of Florida. Um, They want to work with um, me in particular, which is always um, a nice compliment. And so I've been working with people from all over the country, California, New Jersey, South Carolina, um, Virginia, just to give um, some examples. Hey, Peggy, a lot of people ask me, where does that Where does my pet go? I mean, if I'm gone and I have a pet trust, where does that pet end up? Does it go to a foster home? Uh, Does it go to a sanctuary? Can it stay in my own home until I die? What happens? What are the rules of the game? So there are no real rules. You can make the rules for yourself, depending on your resources and your desires. But um, I kind of break this down into three categories. The first I call forever home. And that's the uh, choice where a pet parent could decide that they do want their pets to remain in their own home. Um, And in fact, that's the choice I've chosen for myself and for my pets. If something happens to me, I want a nominated pet caregiver to move into my home and take over the day-to-day care of my animals so that nothing really changes for them other than who's providing the day-to-day care. So that's what I call forever home. That, of course, is the most expensive option because now you've got all of the expenses associated with the home that go along with that kind of a plan. The second option is what I call forever family. And this would be the rehoming of a pet with another loving family, um, but with the resources to provide that family with um the money that they would need to provide for the food and the veterinary care and the ongoing costs of maintaining that pet. And then the third option is what I call forever sanctuary because some animals, um, horses in particular, um, might do better in a sanctuary environment. Um, We also have some uh, dogs or cats that might do better in a sanctuary environment, especially if they're elderly or um, unadoptable for some reason. So that's always an option as well. And in those instances, we partner with um, other nonprofit organizations that provide that sanctuary type environment and lifetime love and care. Peggy, I think it's important to say, number one, obviously, you believe in this so much, you've done it yourself. So you put your money where your mouth is and We all need to do that. 
But the forever home aspect of that, what people don't know is Peggy has many horses. I mean, she has a small little gentleman's farm, including a tribe of dogs, not to mention a whole lot of everything else. Horses in particular are a great expense and people who make an investment in the horses, you've got your stables, you've got all of that. And to uproot them out of that environment can be stressful. So I would think there's a huge network of horse pet parents. I don't, is that the name? Pet parents for horses? Horse Mm -hmm. mom? Sure. Horse mom. Yeah. A horse mom. I think that those are the perfect fits. I mean, it, it doesn't just have to be a dog or a cat when we're talking about a pet trust. People need to realize that, you know, farm animals, all of that. People have a farm and, you know, cows, sheep, lamb, all of those little little critters, if you will, even little piggies, they're all considered property and there are no rights for that. So if uh, that family's farm goes away, those pets are at risk. Am I correct on that? They, they can be at risk without a plan, that is for sure. Um, so I have been working over the years with various nonprofit organizations that um, do rescue and provide support for people, but um, most recently with uh, Horse Protection Association of Florida to develop their peace of mind program so that people with horses um, can know for sure if they, if they don't choose the forever home option, they can choose the uh, forever sanctuary option through the uh, peace of mind plan. I love that name. I love that name. Oh my goodness. Well, what I would like to do, Peggy, what is, what is the one takeaway in our conversation today that you would like pet parents, horse moms, uh, anybody out there to, to know about the Animal Care Trust and, you know, just your thoughts on pet trusts in general. Well, I would invite people to do some research. Um, of course, I would love for you to read my book, All My Children Wear Fur Coats, How to Leave a Legacy for Your Pet. But I don't want people to ever just assume that someone else will take care of their pets. I want pet parents to take on that responsibility for themselves and make sure that when they're creating their own estate plans, that they're creating a plan for their pets. One of the things that we know is that about 50 to 60% of Americans have done no planning for themselves, for their children. So they certainly haven't planned for their pets. So I would encourage everyone to get an estate plan for themselves, to protect their children, and to protect their children who wear fur coats, their pets. I think you said it perfectly, and I couldn't agree more. All right. For our friends and listeners out there, if they have any questions, if they want more information on this, I encourage you to email me at askjody.com or email Peggy directly. Peggy, how can they find you? So I'm pretty easy to find, I think. Um, a, a Google search would probably find me pretty easily, but I can be easily reached at my law firm at Peggy at Hoyt Bryan, H-O-Y-T, be like boy, R-Y-A-N.com. All right. So send those questions in, reach out to us, and thank you for sharing a little bit of your day with Peggy and myself. Hey, if you're hearing this message, you've listened to the entire episode. And for that, I want to thank you. And I am so glad you didn't wake up dead today. Please jump over to jodyclock.com and download your free copy of my family care plan. This guide will help those you leave behind should you wake up dead. I promise. Be sure to order my book. It's complicated. Based on a true story. 
send me an email about topics you'd like to hear in future episodes. Until next time, thank you for not falling asleep.